dispositions have been divided according to their dispositions according to their abilities or aptitudes <coughs> and as we saw in the morning that the people are divided into four categories brahma kshatriya vaishya and shudra and lord krishna tells us what are the traits of this natural traits of this people brahma karma swabhavam this is a swabhava the very nature of the one who is called brahma who has samaha damaha tapaha saucham so one who has this tranquility of the mind also the control over one's sense organs one in whose life there is this austerity saucham one over purity inner purity as well as outer purity shanti one is forgiving and accommodative by nature compassionate by nature ardhavam one is straightforward because there is nothing to prove there is no cheating involved there is no pretentiousness involved one is satisfied oneself whenever there is no difficulty in presenting myself as i am and therefore straightforwardness jnanam the knowledge of the scriptures vijnanam practicing that knowledge astikyam reverence and faith in the scriptures and the teachers and god so this is something that will naturally happen when one possesses a nature called the nature of brahmana where sattva is predominant <coughs> then the next verse lord krishna describes the natural traits of the one who is called kshatriya as i said in the morning kshatriya is the one in whom the rajas is predominant therefore activity is there but rajas is followed by sattva and therefore his activities are generally going to be for the purpose of the welfare or well-being of others so how is the kshatriya the verse 43 says that shauryam tejo dhritir daksham shauryam tejo dhritir daksham yuddhe chaapya palayanam yuddhe chaapya palayanam danameeshwar bhavascha danameeshwar bhavascha kshatra karma swabhavajam kshatra karma swabhavajam Kshatra karma swabhavajam This is the karma 
the disposition of a Kshatriya by his nature. Shauryam, heroism. So, valor or heroism, this is how that person is. And then, Tejaha, self-boldness. And so he is naturally possessed of boldness, possessed of a spirit of adventure, possessed of heroism. Dhrutihi, fortitude, with a firm resolve. <clears throat> and this is required when my mind or my sense organs are tired and it looks like I cannot proceed further, then also there is something in me that in fact again enthuses them. And this happens when you are trekking in the Himalayas and places like that and then in one peak after that you think that now you reach the end, you reach the peak to find that this is just, there is yet another peak to follow. And when you reach that peak, there is yet another peak. And then you feel that you are tired, you cannot proceed further, I can't go further. No? And so, this is nice, as, as you go into the Himalayas, to these shrines, people are returning. They always enthuse you. So how far is it? Naturally we'll ask, how far do you have to go? Just behind this end, just behind, you know? Just a short distance, just a short distance. Jai Mahasadi, something like that they will say, and then give you encouragement. So, the one who does not give in just because the body is tired, the sense organs are tired, even when they are tired of fatigue, one is able to whip them up and continue with one's pursuit, not merely in climbing, in, in different pursuits of life, because we meet very often various obstacles, and it looks like we cannot proceed further, but here there is a firm resolve, and therefore he is very clear about what the goal is, he is very clear about what it is that is right thing to do. And therefore, he does not give up. If I don't have a great value for the goal that I have reached, suppose I don't have a great value for reaching the temple on the hill, I may just give up and, and return. Like there is one temple in Rajasthan of Lord Krishna in Nathadwara. Now this is, a, see Lord Krishna's temples are not called temples, but they are called homes, you know, because this little Krishna lives in a home and not in a, in a palace. But anyway, and so this temple is very famous, Lots of number of devotees come, but then the temple hall is rather small, can I come with only a few devotees. And also what happens with these temples is that Lord Krishna in fact gives darshan seven times a day. It's not that temple remains open from morning till evening, but open, where they will show Lord Krishna just woken up from sleep, and that will be shown for twenty minutes. Then it will close for half an hour. Then Lord Krishna, or forty-five minutes will close, then he's all decorated on the twenty-five minutes. Then Lord Krishna goes to graze the cows. Then Lord Krishna is taking meals with his friends. Then Lord Krishna has woken up from his sleep, whatever, you know, like seven times. Each time you will have darshan for twenty-five minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, whatever. And before some of these darshans, they will show Arati, the lamb before, the Arati before Lord Krishna. Now to have the glimpse of this Arati, those lamps, is very, very important. And there were devotees want to have a glimpse of that Arati, which is shown in the beginning, for a few minutes. Everybody rushes in there. And there is such a tremendous rush there, that you, even if you are standing here, you will just go from one end to the other and out there, you know. It's tremendous rush. And still people go there, devotees, there was such tremendous devotion. Old people also go there, even sometimes you can, people will walk over you, you know, you can fall down. All these things can happen and they do happen. And still, the uh, ardent devotees will definitely go there and have that. And there, 
the, the sons, you know, the young son who is in the United States is returning, I mean, he is visiting India. He takes his parents to, because the parents want to go to this temple, they go there. But this fellow, is so much crowd. Now, Swamiji, I did not go inside. Why? Too much crowd. That's all. I'm not going there to be jostled by other people. This is no way of, uh, of, of having darshan of the Lord. That's all. A little, little difficulty, he gives up because he's no value. His father or mother has a value and therefore regardless of what it is that you go through, they will have darshan. <coughs> when you go to Himalayas, you have to see the people. We go with all equipment, but there are people coming from villages, they have nothing. We ride the uh, ponies, you know, and then all over we have porters who carry our luggage and everything else. There are those old people, poor people, with a bundle on their head, with just some Hawaiian slippers in their feet, with hardly any warm clothes, just go on and on and on. You meet them everywhere, wherever you go, walking on feet, tracking. <coughs> it just requires a tremendous amount of faith, a tremendous amount of resolve, and a tremendous value. So when there is a value for the goal that I want to achieve, that is possible for me to invoke for me the required commitment to be able to overcome my difficulties and proceed. So Kshatriyas are like that. They never give up. When they have determined that this is what they want to achieve, they will. Then promptness. Dakshata. So whenever they meet a situation, there is a prompt, immediately they know what to do. They have that alertness of the mind, at the same time they have that clarity and ability to be able to judge the situation immediately and make the decision right away and therefore whenever they meet with this, any situation they have that promptness, they have that ability to make the right decision and respond to the situation. This is a Kshatriya because particularly in the war you meet with all kinds of situations. Always ready. Yuddhe <coughs> apalayanam Not retreating from the battle. Not retreating from the battle. Because it is a great sin to die. If, if a Kshatriya dies with an arrow in his back, he will go to hell. If he dies with an arrow in his chest, he will go to heaven straight away. So what these great yogis are able to accomplish after years and years of penance, this Kshatriya accomplishes merely by, by giving his life, you know, in the battlefield. And so, he never retreats from the battle. Yudhya Apiyapala, meaning that, for him, his duty is more important than his life. He is willing to give up his life also in order to perform his duty. <coughs> Dhanam, charity, generosity. These people are very generous also generous in giving to the people. Asankochana, vitteshu, without any reservation, they are able to. So they have that generosity of, of part with what they have, share what they have. <coughs> Ishwar Bhavascha and Lordliness, they have that impact upon people around themselves. And so, if he's a king, well, he, then he's able to establish authority over the people who, upon whom the authority needs to be established. So, people who have the capability of establishing the authority, that's how they can rule other people. Otherwise, you cannot rule them. If you can't establish an authority, people will not allow themselves to be ruled. So, he, this is a ruler class of people. Warrior class of people and rural class of people. Ishwar Bhavascha, Kshatra Karma Svahavajam, Pakshatram Karma Svahavajam. This is the 
Swabhava and natural traits of a Kshatriya. <coughs> this is a leader class, warrior class, the, the ruler class. The Brahmas are the, the consultants, they are the think tanks, the people who are thinkers, the contemplative people, consultants. These other fellows are the doers, they are the leaders, they are the managers, and so. Uh, and that, so, so all of these are very important, you know, these are very important lessons in the management also. How should an ideal leader must be? He must be like this. And one of the important qualities is generosity also. And so there must be generosity. Uh, also he is a person who has in his heart the welfare of others. So that is an ideal leader who always wants to help people who are working for him, who is concerned about their growth. And therefore that is important because everybody, everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to find satisfaction with themselves and leader is the one who creates the conditions for them to grow and find satisfaction. <coughs> and so selflessness, uh, more selfless a person is, better leader a person can be. Not merely selflessness, but selflessness to the extent that one has, to the extent that one doesn't have much agenda for oneself, to the extent that one's agenda is, uh, is surrender to the agenda of the, the setup, the totality, to that extent, one can be a better leader. <coughs> to the extent the leader also has his own agenda, to that extent he is going to exploit the people who are working for him, but when will you not exploit them, or when will you make decisions that are for the well, well, well from the others, when you yourself do not have any agenda of your own. <coughs> so this is, and also he must have that authority. He must have a personality on a, because of which he is able to establish his authority upon others. He must have that boldness so that he does not get overwhelmed by others. He should be able to establish authority in others. At the same time, the boldness and the strength not to be overwhelmed by others. All of this is required on the part of a leader. So this is a leader class. And therefore, Lord Krishna said to Arjuna in the third chapter, Arjuna, whatever a leader does, other people automatically follow. Because most people do not have, they don't have the thinking capacity. And therefore, they always look up to a person who is a leader. And so if leader must be an ideal person, or as ideal as possible, because many, many people look up to him. And what he does is very important. So, whatever conduct he displays, that is the conduct other people follow. So, and whatever he considers as the valid means of knowledge. So whatever it is that he considers as uh, the means of knowledge, or what philosophy he follows, what view of life he follows, that also other people automatically follow. Because the people, they generally people, they are, people are always followers. And they always follow the leader. And therefore, leader, being a leader is a very responsible position. Because, and of course everybody is a leader to that extent, Every father is a leader, at least, and every mother is a leader. Everybody is a leader. Even younger, elder brother is leader of the younger fellow, I mean, in the family. And to that extent, we have to recognize that and also assume the responsibility. So this is the Kshatriya. All of these describe the nature of the Kshatriya. The duty of the Kshatriya, they say, the Kshatriya is again Adhyanam. A Kshatriya also is supposed to study the scriptures, but not teach them. So Brahmana's duty is to study as well as teach. A Kshatriya studies, but not doesn't teach. 
यज्ञ है ये ब्राह्मण परफॉर्म यज्ञ है क्षत्रिय ऑल्सो परफॉर्म यज्ञ है ब्राह्मण विल ऑल्सो अफिशिएट यज्ञ क्षत्रिय विल नॉट सो ब्राह्मण इज अज क्षत्रिय इज नॉट सो क्षत्रिय ऑल्सो स्टडी द स्क्रिप्चर ऑल्सो परफॉर्म यागम इन रिचुअल्स विच आर मेंट फॉर हिम दानम ही शुड ऑलवेज बी ए चैरिटेबल पर्सन जनरस एंड चैरिटेबल पर्सन शस्त्रेण च प्रजापालनम देन ऑल्सो टू बी एबल टू प्रोटेक्ट द पीपल एंड प्रोटेक्ट द धर्म बाय विल्डिंग वेपन सो क्षत्रिय इज अ वन यू नो ही ऑल्सो एडेप्ट इन यूजिंग द वेपन सो दैट ही कैन फाइट इन द बैटर ही कैन प्रोटेक्ट द धर्म प्रोटेक्ट द सोसाइटी सो दैट इज द ड्यूटी ऑफ ए क्षत्रिय The next verse tells us about the Vaishya and Shudra. Krushi Gaurakshya Vaijyam Krushi Gaurakshya Vaijyam Vaishya Karma Svabhavajam Vaishya Karma Svabhavajam Paricharyatmakam Karma Paricharyatmakam Karma शूद्रस्वभावजम शूद्रस्वभावजम कृषि एग्रीकल्चर गौरक्ष खैटल वेयरिंग गो इज काउ बट स्टैंड वैनी खैटल एंड रक्षणिंग इज प्रोटेक्टिंग सो टेंडिंग दैटल और खैटल वेयरिंग वाणिज्यम ट्रेडिंग सो दीज आर दी द ड्यूटीज वैश्य कर्म स्वभाव वैश्य दर्ड कैटेगरी इन हिंदू रजस इज प्रोडामिनेंट इन क्षत्रिय ऑल्सो रजस इज प्रोडामिनेंट इन वैश्य ऑल्सो रजस इज प्रोडामिनेंट बट वेर इज क्षत्रिय रजस इज फॉलो बाय सत्व द वैश्य रज इज फॉलो बाय तमस दिस पर्सन इज मोर लाइकली टू बी ए सेल्फ सेंटर्ड पर्सन देर विल बी ग्रीड इन हिम देर विल बी सेंस सेल्फ सेंटर्डनेस ही विल बी यूटिलिटेरियन पर्सन मीनिंग दैट ही विल डू समथिंग ओनली वेन ही गेट्स बेनिफिटेड A Kshatriya will do something because there is right thing to do. A Vaishya will also do, but then he will always look for benefit. It's interesting how the people have this trait, and so a person in the nature of Vaishya, wherever he goes, always finds opportunities to do some business. There are some communities, in fact, who are very adept in that. So wherever they go, they find some opportunities. Why think Swami looks like people here are in, are in need of a uh, you know? They don't seem to get here Indian groceries. They don't seem to get some spices. They don't seem to get here all that. They they seem to require some Indian clothing. Something or other. They will always find out and start that business. You know. And so very very good, very adept. So which also we require. We require this also as a as one of the important functions of society. Krushi, gauraksheyanijam, trading, lending money also is allowed. You know, for Vaishya, the money lending also is allowed. And trading also with reasonable profit. So the Smriti Granthas allow the profit also when you perform. But then there are there are certain code of conduct as to how much profit you should have. I mean, you know. And so uh, that is that is also okay within within limits. <coughs> so these are the duties of which a Brahmana cannot do that. He will be you know uh, he will declare bankruptcy in I think six months or less. If you give him money, he just he doesn't know what to do with it. Ekshatiya also will just give it away. A vaishya is the one who knows how to manage the money, and so accounting people in any organization we require vaishyas, we require accountants, we require marketing people. So these are the people, uh, sales people, 
And so they are the business people, you know, business arm of the organization. So whereas the Brahmanas are all the consultants and think tanks in, in an organization, Kshatriyas are all the managers, Vaishyas are all the accountants and marketing people and sales people. <coughs> and Parishadhyatmakam karma shudrasya abhisvahavajam. How are Shudra? The duty of Shudra is a service. Parishadhyat. Parishadhyat means serving the rest of the three castes is the duty of a Shudra. As he said, because Tamas is predominant, and therefore he doesn't have any kind of motivation at all. Uh, and so he has to be whipped up. And therefore he doesn't have those skills also. He is good at doing work. Parishadhyat means serving the rest of the society. And so all the trades and all the, uh, not the trades, I mean all the, what shall we call them, uh, the, uh, uh, like all the carpentry and the bricklaying and all these uh, goldsmith and uh, ironsmith and all these people will fall in the category of, you know, so these are the people who fall in the category of people who work with their hands and serve the rest of the society. <coughs> so we require shop floor people also. So take an industrial organization, Brahma, Kshatriya, Vaishya and Sudra. Take even a home, there also as we said, all these four functions are required. In the home also there was somebody who is a breadwinner, he is a manager, he is a leader. There is somebody who must keep an account, you know, what is what comes and what is spent. Somebody who you can always refer to whenever there is any difficulties or whenever you need guidance, guidance or direction, a Brahma. And there is somebody who has to do decision, vacuum, and whatever it is, you know, Shudra. And this is one person can be all of his house. It's not that. Swamiji, we don't have all these different people. In India, you have them. In India, in the home also, you have people, servants, who do all the menial work. And uh, the house, generally the, the housewife, the mother, she keeps account and everything else also. And the father who earns, there will be a grandfather or grandparents who are always advisors. So, Brahma, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Sudra. <coughs> so these are the four, Lord Krishna says, these four castes I have created. Means God has created. The idea is that these four people are there wherever they go. In every society these four kinds of people are there and then alone the society can run, otherwise it cannot run. In any setup, including a setup called the home or setup called the business or anywhere, these four functions are always to be performed and therefore we require these four disciplines or four functions. And every society is there except, as we said, in India. These four divisions which are there naturally were recognized and organized. So that all of them, as we said, we'll see in the next verse, that all of them can perform the function for which they are suited. <coughs> in a society like here where the castes, etc. are not recognized, it takes care place by itself. And therefore the person who finds, you know, whatever his aptitude is, accordingly he performs the function. But we find that it's not that everybody is, you know, even when you talk of equality and equal opportunity, doesn't mean that anybody can be appointed to do anything. If you want an accountant, you will, you will always appoint a person who has that talent. And then if you want a manager, if you want an engineer, if you want a consultant, naturally people qualified to do those tasks alone will be appointed in those places. And therefore, if you want to call it discriminated, discrimination. Everybody is not equal. So this Hinduism, Veda, Veda, Vedantic, uh, you know, tradition accepts the, the variety and the, you know, and disparity existing in the society and organizes properly. So, 
In one sense, everybody is equal. In other sense, everybody is different. In the sense that everybody is a person, everybody is Atma, the self, they are all equal. But the personality of everyone is different because the personality is composed of Sattva, Rajas and Tamas and therefore, in that sense, everybody is unequal. And therefore, everybody, there is a slot for everyone. Basically, four major slots. And therefore, people are organized according to these four functions of four slots. <coughs> All I am saying is that everywhere the caste system is, it is true that the caste is not determined by birth. As it was done there, it is done in India. But then anyway, I said, people will automatically organize themselves in such a manner that everybody will fit in the slot for which they are good, and thus we will have these four kinds of functions obtaining in any setup. <coughs> so we must know that it is not that uh, the Hindus created a caste system, it's God who has created. Which means that people are born with this nature, and therefore people possess these four kinds of dispositions. All people can be broadly divided into these four dispositions. And we find also that in course of time in every society people get organized also according to the disposition. They find their appropriate slots, except as we say in India, this division was recognized and organized. <coughs> and they say in the scriptures, that if you perform your duties diligently, then you will go to heaven, heavens. <coughs> each one is qualified to go to heavens. On the earth, each one may not have equal income. As far as the material gain is concerned, perhaps that may not be equal. But as far as the virtuous gain is concerned, as far as the punya is concerned, as far as the virtue is concerned, everybody can go and accumulate the punya by living a life of dharma and qualified to go to heavens. <coughs> But suppose I don't want to go to heaven, Swamiji, I want moksha. Then what? Then each one of these fellows can become, can get moksha also. That means that Abhyudaya and Nishrayasa. As far as the prosperity in the earth is concerned, they will have a different strata. But as far as prosperity in the heavens is concerned, by performing his duties diligently, each one is qualified to go to heavens. And if you perform them somewhat differently, each one also is qualified for moksha. <coughs> And that's what Lord Krishna says in the next verse, in the verse 45. Sve sve karmanya bhiratah Sve sve karmanya bhiratah Samsiddhim labhate narah Samsiddhim labhate narah Svakarmaniratasiddhim Svakarmaniratasiddhim Yathavindati tachrimim Sve Sve Karmani Abhiratha. The person who, is de- who delights or one is devoted to one's own duty. Abhiratha devoted to, or delighting in or devoted to. So a person who is devoted to his or her duty. Some Siddhim Labade gains a complete success. So see, here is a, a way of life that is prescribed by the scripture as to how a person can bring about his own well-being. And we have been saying the true well-being is when we gain the inner wealth. There is two kinds of wealth in our life. One is what we call the material wealth, and another is the inner wealth. The sixteenth chapter describes the inner wealth. Abhayam sattva samsuddhi jnana yoga vyavastati ahimsa satyam akrodaha 
शांति आर्जवम पैशुनम अपैशुनम सो नॉन वायलेंस ट्रूथफुलनेस फ्रीडम फ्रॉम एंगर एंड ट्रैंक्विलिटी ऑफ द माइंड फर्ग्यूनेस ऑल ऑफ दीज आर कॉल्ड इनर वेल्स सो लक्ष्मी द गॉडेस लक्ष्मी ऑफ द गॉडेस ऑफ वेल्स इज गॉडेस ऑफ बोर्ड ऑफ दिस एस वॉट इट इज टू आस्क फॉर इफ यू इन्वर्क लक्ष्मी टू गिव अस द मच्योर वेल्थ वी कैन गेट वी कैन ऑल्सो इन्वर्क द गॉडेस लक्ष्मी टू गेट द इनर वेल्थ and in as far as that potential potential is concerned every function has the potential of enabling us to acquire the inner wealth these functions do not have an equal potential as far as the outer wealth is concerned it is true a shudra's work will not have get him as much money as a vaishya's work and a kshatriya may be king you know and therefore yes as far as the material status is concerned it is going to be different But we say it depends on how the scriptures look upon the, the purpose of life of a human being. If duty-based society is there, where dharma is predominant, and so moksha is the moksha is the goal, it is dharma is the goal, and then artha and kama, the material comfort and prosperity and the, and the pleasure, that becomes less and less important. The happiness comes. Everybody also has an equal opportunity to be happy, but not necessarily wealthy. In as much as human being usually equates comfort with happiness, that is why we believe that somebody is happier than the other. But we need not equate comfort with happiness. Happiness should rather be equated to the disposition of the mind. And the extent that we have a clearer disposition of mind, to that extent we are happy. And therefore, inner purity is more a measure of the happiness of the person rather than outer possession. In short, the happiness is determined by. not what the person has but what a person is because what i have may be anything by sure the capacity to enjoy it and in spite of being surrounded by all the wealth i if my mind is just not top, you know is not in its proper frame then this doesn't you know doesn't amount to anything i can be comfortable and i can be still unhappy as i like to say this you know often uh, in 1976 Swami first came to the United States. At that time, we were the students there. And then, after some two and a half months or two, Swami returned. So then, some something was going on, and somebody asked Swami, "Swami, what difference did you find in the people in the United States and people in India?" He says, "Well, people in India, people in the United States are comfortably miserable, and people in India are uncomfortably miserable. That's the only difference: <laughs> uncomfortably miserable versus comfortably miserable." And therefore, it should be very clear whether we want just comfort or we want happiness. Then dharma, as we said, is a sure way of acquiring happiness. It is a sure way of acquiring inner wealth in terms of inner purity, and therefore a sure way of acquiring happiness. And that is the purpose to make everybody happy, not necessarily make everybody wealthy. So the purpose of organization of the Vedic times was. To make everybody happy, at the same time help everybody to grow spiritually or grow in the inner wealth, so that ultimately one gains qualification for moksha. So ultimately moksha is because that is what every human being wants, knowingly or unknowingly. Everybody is seeking that freedom, and therefore everybody wants moksha. That's the desire behind all the desires, and therefore the scriptures prescribe a way of life because by by living which. one can fulfill that real desire behind all the desires
recognizing that the real desire behind all desires is ultimately not only happiness but unconditional happiness. Unconditional freedom, which is what we call moksha, that is a real desire. And so the scriptures prescribe a way of life to fulfill that desire. And so Lord Krishna says in the verse 45, Sve-sve karmanyabhiratahe Sve-sve karmanyabhiratahe Samsiddhim labhate narahe Samsiddhim labhate narahe Svakarmaniratasiddhim Svakarmaniratasiddhim Yathavindati tachrunu So Sve-sve karmani abhiratahe Devoted to one's duty Not to the outcome That is karma and there is karma phala. So where is the devotion? Sve-sve karmani. One is devoted to one's duty, one's function. Naraha samsiddhim labhade. That person gains the perfection. He gains the complete success. <coughs> the idea is that everybody can become a brahmana. The question was, Swamiji, that people are born in different castes, they are born with different dispositions. And therefore, by birth, they are branded. Brahma, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, a person is branded by birth. And that cannot be changed. But is it possible for a person, does a person ultimately become Brahmana or not? The answer is yes. That everybody can become Brahmana by disposition. That in order to gain the knowledge, it is necessary to acquire a disposition that was always Brahmana. Shamaha, Damaha, Tapaha, Shaucham. And so, verse 42 describes the traits of a Brahmana. They are typical traits for, that is what we call the purification of mind or antahtan shuddhi. And that is what is required, that's the required qualification for gaining the knowledge. And therefore, some siddhim lavate naraha. Lord Krishna says that one can definitely gain some siddhi. Siddhi means perfection. Lord Krishna uses the word siddhi, which also means power. And therefore the word Siddhi is well known in the sense of many spiritual powers that one gains. Yoga Shastra describes different kinds of Siddhis. <coughs> the eightfold Siddhis are described. The, the power, you know, the spiritual power, I guess, the, that you can invoke within yourself, and thus you can attain different kinds of powers, accomplishments. And you find this kind of Siddhis or powers obtained by people, by Rishis and by others also, even by Rakshasas also, in Puranas we hear that. Anima, Laghima, Garima, Mahima, and so the ability, the power to become like an atom, the power to become large, the power to become heavy, power to become very light, power to reach a place, you know, and power to fulfill all your desires, power to control others, all these different powers also one can gain, and usually the word Siddhi is used in terms of this power. But Lord Krishna uses the word Siddhi in terms of inner purification. And therefore, from what Lord Krishna says, the greatest Siddhi really is inner purification. Because even after gaining power also, if the inner purification is not there, that very power also can become a curse instead of becoming a blessing. There are many demons in, in our Puranas who acquire tremendous powers, except that they destroyed others and then they got destroyed also in the process. And therefore, power of wealth also can be destructive if it is not accompanied with what we call the maturity. And therefore, this inner maturity is what Lord Krishna calls the real Siddhi or real success. And therefore, this 
This Varanasrama Dharma, the duties that are prescribed for the different castes and different stages of life, is a, la- is a way prescribed for this inner perfection or the inner success. <coughs> Which means that everybody can become a Brahmana by disposition. And thus, everybody can become qualified for the knowledge. And therefore, everybody can become qualified for moksha, everybody can get moksha. And there are any number of saints we find in a Purana also where people coming from different castes, all of them became great saints, and all of them. So it is not that, as far as saints are concerned, there is not limited to Brahmanas. There are saints from every caste. We find many kings also who were, like, who were great sages. We find even, in fact, in Mahabharata there is a story of a butcher. You know, so he is a shark, and that is the work he is doing. And uh, he is called, in Sanskrit he is called Vyaja. So the story is told in Mahabharata. So there is this, uh, there is a sannyasa, and he was a man of great penance, doing his penance in the uh, forest. And because of that, you see, you gain a tremendous amount of self-control, and you have a lot of energy of the mind, and so this person also gained some, some powers. So once he was sitting under a tree, I guess meditating, and there was a little bird, and on his, on his head, this bird dropping fell. And he was disturbed. He got upset. Who is it that is disturbing? He looked up, and there was that bird, and with anger, this person looked, this sannyasi, you know, the bird was burned to ashes. Then he realized, hey, I have some powers. All right? Well, he went for his bhiksha, you know, for begging his food. He went to the community. He went to one home. And it seems that the lady of the house was busy. So here the sannyasi came and announced his present. Bhavati Bhikshan Dehi, Bhavati Bhikshan, or you announce your presence, Narayan Hari, Narayan Hari. Then they know that here is a sadhu who has come who, who wants Bhiksha. And so he announced his presence and still there was no response from inside. And so uh, he, he, Narayan Hari must have said a few times and he got angry. How come nobody responds? And then a voice came from inside. That he Sadhu Maharaj, wait for a few minutes. Says, How long is it going to take? She says, wait, I'm not that bird who's going to be burned, rashes, you know, by so wait. I'm serving my husband right now. Let me finish that. I'll come and serve you. This person was flabbergasted. How did she know? And after she was done, you know, serving her husband, she came out and gave him the picture. And he asked, Mother, how do you know? He says, well, all I am doing is performing my duty as a housewife. So what this person could accomplish by doing a lot of penance, this woman had accomplished more than that merely by performing her duty, serving her husband. These are the stories told of women in particular, you know, just what you get and what you should do. Anyway, and then she said that, well, he says, how can I become like you? So she recommended to him. Go to such and such town and go to such and such person and this address was given to him. He went searching for the person. You know what he turned out to be? He turned out to be a butcher. He said, I am sent here. This butcher is going to t- teach me something? But he found that butcher was doing his work all night, chopping the meat and stuff like that. Which is of course the work that is done by Shudra. But still, 
There was a tremendous on his face, you know, there was a tremendous joy on his face. At the same time, he could also see a, an effulgence. And he was really impressed by this butcher. And he, he introduced himself, said that such and such woman has sent me here and sent me to you so that I can learn from you. Then butcher gives him upadesha. That's called Vyasa. That's the upadesha, the teaching given by this butcher. This is Mahabharata. So idea is that, what is the Siddhi? What kind of Siddhi or success do we want? We want the success in terms of inner purity because all the other successes can come and you can still be, you may have problem, you know, in your head. And therefore, all those accomplishments can sometimes become burden or a curse instead of becoming a blessing. The real Siddhi or success that we want is this inner purity. And that everybody is qualified. In fact, it is only this way the only way that a person in fact duty, as is said here, is the only way that can, a person can get inner success. This is not the prescription of outer success. And therefore in India also, when outer success and material gain become important, when earth kama, that pleasure and, and comfort, when they became important, then dharma became less and less important, duty became less important, and then the caste system would not work. When passions govern a person, when discipline, not discipline, but the passion, when a person goes by as impaired by one's passion, then the caste system doesn't work. No system will work. And that's how there was a degeneration of the system and whatever. But the reason is not because the system that was devised is faulty. But every system also requires a cooperation of people who are part of the system. Which system can work? No rule, no law can work unless people cooperate with it. Is not, you may write, say, 65 miles per hour in a speed limit, but then you have, to, you have to follow that. Swami, here if you don't follow, there's going to be a traffic patrolman. How many patrolmen will be there? And therefore, ultimately people have to show some discipline. If they don't show discipline, it won't work. And thank God there are enough number of patrolmen here, but that also people elsewhere, that you may not have them. And therefore, any system can work provided people cooperate. And the caste system can work provided people cooperate by accepting the fact that it is dharma which is of primary importance in our life. So thus, following one's own duty, following one's own dharma, one can gain that inner success. Is that all, Lord? Just I keep on performing my duty? Because many people tell us, Swamiji, why should I attend Bhagavad Gita classes? Why should I attend Vedanta classes? I, I know what Bhagavad Gita teaches. And so I perform my duty. I'm an honest person. I don't cheat anybody. I don't lie. That's all. I'm doing it. That's what Bhagavad Gita teaches. What else does it teach? No, there is a Bhagavad Gita begins as a matter of fact. And therefore Lord Krishna says, it is not merely by performance of duty. Svakarma nirataha Siddhim yathavim Listen to how one devoted to one's duty finds success. Not merely performing duty, but, but adding some other dimension to perform some duty. That is a very important dimension. So duty, of course, is very important, but the dimension that Lord Krishna will prescribe in next verse is extremely important. To become, gain preparation for knowledge and ultimately for it to culminate into moksha, which is the, the goal of life. And so the verse 46 tells us that. Yatav pravrattir bhūtānam, yatav pravrattir bhūtānam, 
स्वकर्मणातमभ्यर्च्य स्वकर्मणातमभ्यर्च्य सिद्धि विंदति मानव सिद्धि विंदति मानव स्वकर्मणातम अभ्यर्थ्य अडोरी हिम वर्षिपिम बाय वंस ओन ड्यूटी स्वकर्म इन स्वधर्म कर्म इन से ड्यूटी सो परफॉर्मिंग द ड्यूटी इन द स्पिरिट ऑफ वर्षिप तम अभ्यर्थ्य तम ईश्वरम वर्षिपिंग दट लॉर्ड अडोरिंग दट लॉर्ड वर्षिपिंग दट लॉर्ड विथ वंस ड्यूटी मीनिंग परफॉर्मिंग वंस ड्यूटी इन द स्पिरिट ऑफ वर्षिप ऑफ द लॉर्ड so not just performing the duty which is also good but performing the duty in the spirit of worship that is the best who is god so lord krishna gives there a very beautiful description of god in one line yatah pravartir bhutanam yena sarvam idam tatam yatah one from whom bhutanam pravrtihi utpattihi cheshtava one from whom all the beings are created or chesta one by whom all the activity are impelled so one who is the very source of creation of the entire universe as well as one who impels all the activities so we find everything in the universe constantly doing something everything is always active everything is in motion and therefore who is the one that is responsible for impelling this activity or motion so one who has created the universe is also the one who is the who is impeller of all the activities so so taitriya upanishad says vishasmad vadah pavate visho deti surya vishasmad nischendrascha mrutyu dhavi panchamaidi by his fear or because of him the wind blows the sun shines the fire burns the indra the rain comes all of these in fact impelled by whom so it is not that god has merely created the world and having created it then he, he lets the world you know take its own course no anyway he is not only creator of the world but then he is very much there to impel or direct every activity of the sentient and insentient beings so one from whom the whole universe consisting of the sentient and insentient being is created yatah in the fifth case and that can mean two things it can mean He is both. He is a creator. He is a material cause as well as the efficient cause. So fifth grade in Sanskrit is generally used for apad. It's called apadana panchami, and it is also used in the upadana material cause. So one who is a material cause of the whole creation. But then the question is that is the creator somewhat, somewhat different from the creation? Just now he is also the efficient cause. So yatah, the fifth case is a case which indicates the cause. And the word God is presented here as the cause of the creation. What kind of creation? The material cause as well as the efficient cause. I mean, we have gone through this a number of times. That's why I am not repeating that much here. But then, material cause, like the pot, the clay is the material cause for the pot, and the pot maker is the efficient cause of the pot. Usually, the efficient cause and material causes are different, and so the pot maker is different from the pot. But in case of the creation. That is somewhat, you know, is different in as much as the creator and creation, both of them are one. When we say that the Lord is the creator, naturally he is an intelligent being, he is a conscious being. If we say he is merely the material, then he can be even inert. 
But when you say he's a creator of efficient cause, that means that he's a conscious being, an intelligent being. And the creator must have the knowledge of what is going to be created, and therefore the one who has created the whole universe is all-knowing. The creator also must have the power and ability to create. And therefore one who has created the world is all-powerful. So he's all-knowledge, all-powerful. And even the material cause, the material is that which pervades the effect. Like the clay is the material cause and the pot is the effect. And wherever the pot is, there the clay is. So that is the nature of the material cause, that it pervades the effect. So, yena sarvamidam tatam, yatah pravritya bhutanam. The intelligent self, the intelligent being, the omniscient, omnipotent and intelligent being from whom there is a creation of the whole universe. Yena sarvamidam tatam, by one, by one, the creation is by whom the creation is pervaded. So then, by whom the creation is pervaded? Because he is the material cause. He is a creator as well as creation. And pravrutti, one from whom pravrutti means activity. So one who is responsible for the running of the universe. He is also the owner of the universe from whom the all activities are impelled. So that's the definition of God. And as we have seen a number of times. When we really apply this definition of God, it turns out that everything is God. If He is a material cause, then He is the one, He is the one who is manifest in the whole creation. And He is very intelligent behind the whole creation, and therefore, whatever there is, is nothing but God. And this is very nice because for worshipping God, if God was confined only to heavens, or God was confined to the temple, then only when I come to the temple and make some offerings, then I worship God. But if God is there, Antaryami, He is the indwelling self of every being. In that case, to worship God, all I need to do is to offer my action, whoever it is, in the spirit of worship. And therefore, by this definition, every simple act that we perform can become an act of worship. It is not the action that is important there, but it is the spirit with which the action is performed. And therefore, performing action in the spirit of worship. But Swami, where is God? I, I do my work of accounting, I do farming, I do gardening, I do my business, I do my training. Where is God in that? How can I, Swami, when I am doing accounting work, adding up my numbers and things, where is, how can I worship God? I am working on a computer. How can I make that action a worship of God? I am doing gardening work. How can I, that is where the art comes. So this is where our ingenuity and our art comes as to how to convert every action into a worship of God. Because God is involved at every moment in our life, in one way or the other. And I said, whoever is in front of me is God, as a matter of fact. But Swami, I don't see God in that. This manager, my manager, my boss, he's God. Impossible. My neighbor, impossible. And therefore, looking at certain people, we can never be inspired in order to look upon them as God. But as we said, seeing the person behind the personality. And so, the personality is sattva, rajas, tamas. But the person is beyond the three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas. So one who impels the personality, one who enlivens the personality, that person, that indwelling self, that is nothing but Narayana. In the thirteenth chapter, Lord Krishna said, Kshetragyam chabhamam viddhi sarvakshetreshu bharata he bharata he arjuna I am the self or the person in all the personalities. And therefore, just looking upon everybody is Narayana. 
once we were uh, we had gone to a, a, a place of pilgrimage called Dwarika, where there is a shrine of Lord Krishna, and once we were riding this uh, horse-driven cart, you know, that's the kind of transportation you get there. And this this fellow who was uh, taking us and who was a driver, he was a very interesting person. He was driving this horse-driven cart. And all the time, you know, in India you keep on always instructing people also, pedestrians are there, just move away, and the horse also has to be, you know, always directed. And so all along this fellow is always talking, saying something. And he addressed everybody, what? He would tell his horse, hey Narayana, come on now, proceed further, Narayana, don't slow down, move. Hey Narayana, slow down. Or you find somebody on your way, hey Narayana, please move away. It's most amazing. This fellow addressed, everybody is Narayana. Well, you can at least, even if you use the word Narayana, that also has a great impact on the mind. And the fact, that is what the fact is. In short, performing every action in the spirit of worship. In some way, God is a beneficiary of whatever we do. Even if I am doing, performing an act of accounting, simple thing, nobody even knows what I am doing. Nobody makes note of what I am doing also. Doesn't matter. I am an accountant. But I am working for my company. And that company also is a part of the society. And through serving my company, which again serves the society, which society again is, uh, you know, a, a part of the creation, the creation is God, in some way or the other, through my work, I have the spirit of contributing something. What is important is the spirit of participation, the spirit of contributing. Whatever function I have perform, whatever role I have been given, I perform that role in this, with this dedication that, with this role, I participate in the scheme of things, in the scheme of creation. And whatever little abilities, energies, talents are given to me, I make an offering. In the scheme of things, just as every atom also participates, I also is one of the atoms, that's what I am, and I also participate in that spirit. And thus, make every little work that I do is an offering. Svakarmana, tamabhyarja, worshipping the Lord with one's own duty. So Lord Krishna says here, that not only should one perform the duty, but the duty must be performed also in the spirit of worship. And as we said, there are two altars where I can offer my action. One is the altar of ego, other is the altar that is called God. And therefore, through every action, what it is that am I promoting? Am I promoting myself? I can ask this question. Whenever I want to do something, I ask this question. What am I promoting? Am I promoting myself? Meaning is action performed so that I become the beneficiary, I get the reward, I get the appreciation, I get the recognition, or am I promoting the cause. If God may be too big a word, but even if a person is dedicated to certain cause in life, some cause more than simply one's own comfort and one's own, you know, some cause. Some cause in terms of serving the society, serving the country, something. Serving the gurukulam, serving the teacher, serving somebody. That kind of a cause, if it is there, well, am I promoting the cause or am I promoting myself? And so, as long as I am promoting the cause, promoting a larger cause, so long there is this devotion. What is important is that I cease to all the time promote myself, my ego. And that's the way, as we'll continue our discussion, to slowly and slowly subdue the ego. What is important is they always talk about giving up the ego, but we are talking about subduing the ego. And it's by the spirit of worship or offering that slowly and slowly, the ego that is always asserting itself gets subdued. 
a human being or a seeker gains a perfection. Again, only perfection in the sense of antahakarsuddhi. Of course, then one has to pursue the knowledge, but antahakarsuddhi or purification of mind. So thus, two things are presented here as a means of self-purification. One is performance of the duty. And secondly, performing the duty in the spirit of worship. <coughs> so what action should I perform? That which is my duty. How shall I perform? In the spirit of worship. This is what Lord Krishna says. We'll continue with that in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Vashakrutavande Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvara Guruatmedi Murti Bhedavibhagine Vyoma Vyapta Dehaya Lakshina Murtayanamaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha